Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. Today's legend follows the story of death racer Ashley Alarcon, who competed in one death race. Ashley was born and raised in New Jersey. She's a pharmacy technician who loves spontaneous adventure, dancing, and learning new things. She believes in always being grateful for the small things in life and tries to always look at the positive because things can always be worse. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today? Um, I'm good. It's my day off, so just relaxing a little... You know, it's my first podcast or interview, really. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine you've been really busy with everything going on around the world right now. So thank you for being at the front line and helping us yes. all and taking care of everyone. Thank um, you so much. So tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself. Where are you from originally? Um, where are you living now? And you know, what's your um, what's your athletic background? What did you do before you got into death races? Uh, so I live in Jersey, uh, Northeast Jersey. So like I'm right across the George Washington Bridge from New York City. So there's really not a lot of trails around me. Um, there's not a lot of, it's mostly city suburban life. Um, so I've been here my whole life. I've never moved outside of Jersey, not into the city and not in the country life. Um, so as for like athletic background, I actually never really done anything before Spartan racing. Um, I started in 2015 and um, I started working out because of Spartan race. Um, I have danced before prior. Okay. Um, like what I kind of dance? Uh, uh, it's belly dance. <laughs> oh, yeah? It, yeah, it's like um, it's very like modern jazzy and traditional there's like a lot of mix um into the dancing uh we've been mixing like ballet and stuff but i wouldn't say that was more um it was very on and off okay um i didn't start until like probably a year or two before i started spartan racing too so it all came together where like my thought was like oh i want to start getting fit and very um, cool what kind, of, what, kind of, what kind of sparked this um, desire to get fit? Like, was there any, like, catalyst? Um, I just, I know, so I was taking the bus around this time. Um, I didn't have a car, and I noticed that chasing the buses was very <laughs> difficult. So you'd run down a block, you know, chasing after a bus, and all of a sudden you're just, like, completely out of breath. And so um, when I started dancing, of course, you know, there's a lot, it's a lot harder than you think, you know, standing up straight, like could take a lot of energy. So um, when I was like really getting into the dancing, you know, just improving my stamina, my movements and stuff, um, I just saw a correlation between the racing, running, catching your breath and you know the whole dancing thing so it just all came together and I was like I really want to do something with this and um my brother was actually the one that actually started racing first he was getting he was trying to lose a lot of weight he felt very overweight so his friend was like hey you want to do a race with me him thinking it's just a regular race (laughs) 
So he worked out for one month, one month. And um, next thing I know, my mom is sending me pictures of him covered in mud. And apparently this race of his took over nine hours. And I'm like, what kind of race did you do? He's like, I did a Spartan race and I had no idea. He did a beast as his first race. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's definitely going right into it. So I saw that and I was like, whoa, you didn't think to ask me to see if I was interested in this. (laughs) But he's like, yeah, do the next one with me. So that ended up being Palmerton. Okay. And um, so it was like within those couple of months, like between, um, I think it was April when he did it, April and May in New Jersey. And towards um, July. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting about my very first race because I didn't finish. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was in tuxedo. Um, so yeah, that was actually in May. So like it was actually in a month. Um, they canceled the race. Because mm. there was a very big um, storm going on. There was a there was lightning bolts hitting the mountain, and then there was yeah. flooding all down the mountain. So I was a mile away from the finish line, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, you guys have to get off the mountain." We're like, "We're almost there. No, please don't." They're like, "No, uh, I'm sorry." So that's the worst, but safety it, first, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that mindset, too, of like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't able to finish my first my very first race. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do more. Definitely. So That's I awesome. ended up being a Palmerton Super Sprint weekend. <laughs> Awesome. So you went to Palmerton and you did that. And so that's kind of how you got into the Spartan racing. Yeah, how it was did... pretty quickly. It was just like, I don't know, snowball effect, like little events started just like really building up to the next one yeah i mean once you have like one achievement it's like you want to chase the next achievement right yeah uh so (laughs) so how did you end up finding the death race um so that year um when i did my first beast um in killington i was trying Mm -hmm. to complete my trifecta um i actually started noticing everybody um there was a lot of people running the beast. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, wow, these are the ultra beasts. So I got like, I started after the race, I started really researching, you know, the ultra beasts and everything. And then I found um, that very famous picture that has like uh, that ladder, that Spartan ladder that's from the couch. Mm-hmm. And then it has like little mountains and then it yep, goes into yep. the hurricane heats and then all the way at the top it says death race. So I'm like, Ooh, what is that? <laughs> so Very cool. I, I did I didn't do a lot of research, but like I would hear everybody talking every now and then, like, Oh yeah, it's the death race, it's no longer they they don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh wow, that sucks. And then you know, as the time went by, they started bringing out um, a gogi and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to climb up that ladder. And be- even though Death Race isn't out, I'm going to go- still go up the ladder. Um, and then when Death Race finally came back, we're just like, <gasps> me and my friends were just like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole big so- thing. So it was pretty exciting just like when it finally came back and then just remembering how I first viewed it when I first started racing 
it's like it's like you're a little kid again, you know, when you have like these little dreams. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so it came back in 2018. Uh, and you did the 2019 mm-hmm. death race. So in 2018, yes. where were you? How did you feel? Were you like not quite ready for it yet? Were you yeah. So that to- actually has a lot to do with why I did it in 2019. So 2018, I was going to register. Um, my friend, Athena, she was like, oh, my gosh, death race is back. Da-da-da. So she signed up right away. Um, and me, I view myself. I guess like a lot of other people, like you, you judge yourself, mm-hmm. you know, like, am I strong enough? Am I fast enough? Am I able to really good? Could I really do it? Mm-hmm. I doubted myself a lot. So you have a t- little self doubt monster in your head. Yes. And, um, at that point when registration was open, um, I had, I hadn't done anything more than a 12 hour and death rates were talking about three days. So it's like you're jumping from a 12 hour to something that's three days. What do I do? How do I take care of myself? And that yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do it. I chickened out. And within that year, I actually ended up signing up for a lot of events that were over 24 hours. And I realized like, oh, my God, I can really do this. Okay. But at that point, it was already too late to sign up. Right. So... Um, I do remember like it was, it was very bittersweet. I had a lot of friends that did sign up for 2018 and mm-hmm. I'm watching the seeds and I'm just like, yeah, go, you guys are doing awesome. Hey. But at the same time, I'm like sitting there and I'm beating myself up because I could have been there. Right. And, uh, it, the only thing that held me back was myself. Mm-hmm. And so that actually was my motivation. That was actually my first why to sign up for 2019 because I didn't want to do that to myself again. And I promised myself, never doubt yourself ever again. It's pretty but, great yeah. that you, you were able to overcome that self-doubt and then just kind of vanquish it. And so it sounds like building up the confidence and doing some of these other events. What events did you do that kind of helped rebuild that confidence? Um, so Rob Barger. He um, he made this um, kind of like pseudo event um, that was called Quad Shot. Yep. Um, so basically it was a 12-hour hurricane heat followed by two laps of the sprint in Massachusetts, um, which were also a time hack. Mm-hmm. You had to make it in a certain time or else you wouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also had our weight from our 12 hour. Okay. So we had our weight, we had our supply, we all had our gear. It was raining. <laughs> so we had to make it in a certain time hack. And then after you were done with those two laps, we had the regular hurricane heat. So it lasted about, I think, 27 hours. Okay. So that one was a big, tough one for me. <laughs> yeah. You got through that all? But I did, yeah. It was, That's awesome. Um, there was about eight of us that finished. That's awesome. Thanks. It was, uh, it was definitely an experience. And then yeah. um, I was definitely like, really like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Um, there was a, I had like a mindset that was like, wow, this is like really, really difficult because it was cold. Um, like, 
really numb. It was raining, you know, doing those time hacks and like breathing in the cold air and stuff. It, you know, it was tough and lack of sleep. Um, but yeah, it pushed me. Uh, definitely pushed me. So I, once you start experiencing these things, uh, you start realizing what you need to work on, what, you know, what you think you can improve on. So I started doing more events, um, started doing go rock events. Mm-hmm. Um, so those have a lot of 24 hour, heavies. Heavies, as they call it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, and then they also have like their version of like a trifecta. They have the light. Um, they had the light, tough and heavy, which mm-hmm. is like a sprint super and beast, um, which actually totals up to about 48 hours. Okay. Um, you do them back to back. Sometimes you get like a break in between, but with, uh, my event, <laughs> it was in the, it was on July 4th and it was okay. very hot and our 24 hour event ended up extending to about 28 hours. Oh, or 27 wow. to 28 so i didn't really have a break in between okay so it was literally back-to-back events so once i did that i was like oh my gosh i i can do death race because awesome. i did it was like two days straight it was in the summer it was actually the weekend i think it was the weekend before uh 2018 death race so when i had that mentality i was like oh my gosh yeah i could do it i could definitely do it Absolutely. And that's the thing, like once you kind of you build up this, you, you do these events that kind of build upon each other and you just kind of keep going and going and you're like, OK, if I can go this long, then of course I can go that long. If I can go this long, of course, I, you know, it just kind of yeah. it adds up. I, I, I can relate because that's kind of how I tackled my first death race was just, you know, OK, we need to get a little longer, a little longer. And yeah. each time you each time you do that, it kind of builds that confidence. And um, so besides doing all of these events to train for the death race and to see where you're at, what was your training like you know, outside of events? Um, outside of events, I, so there's like this small trail that's by me. It runs along the the Hudson river. Mm-hmm. It's called the long path Okay. and it runs along it. And, um, there's like a bunch of stone steps. So what I would do is I would bring my rock with me, have my weight plate in it, you know, between 20 and 30 pounds. And I'd start running up and down those stairs up and down and start running through the trails because that was like my big thing if I wanted to like really endure in all these events I needed to be able to run with a lot of weight on me mm-hmm. absolutely um I did a lot of stair stair master <laughs> with, yeah. uh, with weights and sandbags yeah. holding it you know um every day I would do like pull-ups and dips so I can get used to pulling up my body like you know if there were obstacles and stuff I would be able to get myself over them um just stuff like that like nothing really really specific but um I would have like little workouts in between but nothing nothing too crazy so when you do like these stairs like how many how many laps are you doing up and down uh till failure till failure <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then like when I see like, let's say um, I would do like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. I would try to get 35 the next time, 40 the next time. Nice. You know, just like you said. Yeah. Just the incremental <laughs> suffering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it got uh. to the point where like um, I would start running and then um, I would have a group chat of friends that we all do the races together. 
And Charlie Denny one day was like checking in with me every so often. He's like, after mile one, do 10 push-ups. After mile two, I want to do, I want you to do 30 squats. After mile three, do this many burpees. Nice. So I'd have to run and then check in like, okay, this is done next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so great. And having someone help you, uh, help you by giving you some accountability but also by giving you the motivation and the tasks kind of helps and it's keep like it, oh my god mix no, it up. I can't stop <laughs> right right because you're like okay if i stop he's gonna know and then <laughs> that's awesome um so going into the death race uh what fears did you have uh fears what fears did i have um at that point I think I was like so used to being introduced to the unknown mm-hmm. that I was really prepared for just about anything they can throw at me. Okay. <laughs> because I've done so many like hurricane heats and stuff and they just surprise you. They they mess with your mind so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was one thing that I was kind of nervous about. What was it? can't really remember because I, I like I threw it out of my head yeah um but I did know that like at that year I, I did have like a lot going on at home and mm-hmm. I was like not really able to train as much as I wanted to mm-hmm. um so I guess that was definitely one concern um oh navigation mm, yes navigation, navigation. was mm-hmm. the thing <laughs> Because I'm like, I don't know how to use a compass. <laughs> how am I supposed to, you know, navigate it? You know, if they, they send us out on our own and we have to find, like, you know, certain points and find our way back. So I did, for a little bit, I studied the map around Joe's Mountain. Yeah. Um, And I tried to, like, remember where main points were. Like, okay, this is where a river is. This is where Shrek's cabin is. This is where Joe's barn is, you know the main street okay so and i had to like really pay attention to where i was every movement because i really wasn't familiar with a compass i was taught how to use it basically i tried to read up on books but it just wasn't clicking to me i'm just like but this doesn't make sense to me yes something we don't really use much nowadays so it's tough if you haven't really gotten a lot of practice with it and the thing is like you can learn it but if you don't go and use it often it's like any other skill you start to lose it and you have to you have to have that repetition even even today i still uh have to always go back okay how do i do this again (laughs) (laughs) so um let's go into the death race a little bit so um you know tell me paint me a story of like what your death race was like oh so for maybe about, I don't even know how many hours, there was a lot of time where I was alone, away mm-hmm. from people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to, I, I basically had to um, buy my way back in. So that's like the main thing that I, that really pops out of my head. Um, why, did you have to, why did you have to buy yourself back in? So I think it was day two morning to uh the second morning i think it was um we had to um make fire um we had to we had to race up um oh i'm like blinking out on names right now (laughs) um 
we had to basically race up a mountain. Once we got to the top, we had to um, find mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And we had to bring it with us, go all the way down the mountain to a certain location, to a river. And then uh, we basically had to cook the mushroom in water and basically make a tea. So we had to make our own fire. Mm-hmm. Where I where we were, it was next to a river, so it was very wet. Okay. And um, so we had to like really be strategic on how to like you know find a really uh, dry spot, use whatever we can to make a fire. I was able to make a fire, um, but it ended up going out, and um, they basically were giving you a certain amount of unknown time to make the tea and you basically had to be approved like okay your water's boiling and everything all right go on to the next thing i didn't make it so a lot of us uh, weren't able to make our fire in time or make our water boil so they're like that's it you're out we're like this can't be it we're like no so we were um in a line we were doing the you know we were like with our walk of shame, <laughs> just like with our heads down, we're like, this can't be it. This can't be it. It was a long trek back down to the farm. And then um, Joe came out and was like, I want those rocks moved and, and you guys need to make a dam in that river. And we're like, okay, like, does this mean that we're still in? They're like, you guys aren't in. I just need you to work. <laughs> So we're just like moving rocks and like we're making a dam and everything. And then we're in the middle of the river. And then all of a sudden he's like, who needs to buy their way back in over here now? He starts screaming at everybody. We're running over like all these rocks and everything. So he basically says, um, if you really want this, you will work for it. We went back to the barn and there are these huge logs mm-hmm. lined up and he basically he said um you have to carry these logs up to shrek's mountain down to miguel's cabin and back to the farm which i'm like calculating in my head i'm like isn't that like four miles <laughs> and it was basically uh just i think it was four or five of us trying to buy our way back in and we had to each carry a log by ourselves up the mountain across and all the way down in order to to get our bibs back which for me which i'm not really good at carrying things (laughs) and these logs are just like way taller than i am okay it took me about i think between four and six hours wow to do that's that. a lot that's a lot to buy yourself back in and so when you started moving the rocks into the dam i'm curious like what 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 was going through your head because i mean you're at this point you're thinking you're out of the race why why would you listen to him if it's not clearly part of the race right so i knew that there was a chance um because i have heard this in previous races before that there sometimes you are given the option, very rarely, but you are given the option to buy your way back in. So I didn't lose, you know, all hope. Okay. But at the same time, I was like, you need to be prepared for whatever comes at you, whether you're still in or if you're out. And if you're out, you need to be okay with the fact that you think that you failed. 
and that you went as far as you did because you you did your hardest right and my body was hurting at this time i was chafed all over (laughs) so i was like okay i'm kind of okay with you know not continuing but at the same time mentally i'm not uh, my body was just like given out. I had blisters all over my feet and like everything was hurting. But so I'm like, they're still giving us work. So don't lose hope and everything. This could be all for nothing. It could be all for something. So we just kept going, kept going until they finally called us names. And we're just like, all right, add attention. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kept you going? Like what kept you motivated to keep going? Um, I had a few things, actually. Um, so... Everybody looks at their why. So I mm-hmm. told you my why earlier, you know, of the previous year that I needed to do it this year. By the time uh, the day of the race came, I didn't have that why anymore. Uh, my why actually shifted from myself to other people. And I realized I wasn't doing it for myself anymore. I was doing it for other people. Um my boyfriend Kyle, he had just started racing that year, uh, doing Spartan races and go rocks and stuff for the first time. And he always told me how amazing uh, it is just watching me and seeing all I accomplished and everything, how I pushed through all these things and everything. So I didn't want to give up. I wanted to show him that, like, you know, push through these things, you know. You don't just fail just because, like, it's raining. You don't just stop just because your body hurts and stuff. you got to push through your mental limits. Your, you know, your body gives out first before your mind does and stuff. You have to really keep going or vice versa. Your mind gives out before your body does. Um, so I really kept going for him. And then I also have uh, these two other friends. I have my friend Jess B., who she's uh, she's in her early 20s and over the year she just was very cheery and star-eyed with like all these athletes and Spartan and she's always cheering for everybody and so positive and like working her way up to compete and she's all like you're my hero you're my hero and I wanted to show ironically I wanted to show her that like you have to believe in yourself, not in other people. Yes, it's nice to look up to other people, but you have to look at yourself as the hero. You have to be your own hero. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that was uh, Don Devaney's uh, um, our learning experience from Don during this okay. during the death race. And when I finally heard that on day three, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is all too much because this is what this is why I'm here. Right. And then also my other friend, uh, Charlie, Charlie Denny, um, this was his second death race and he ended up DNFing. Okay. Um, and it wasn't even his fault. It was more of like a team thing that needed to happen. And because his team didn't make, um, a certain task happen, he went down with them. Okay. And he basically made me promise him that I will finish that I would buy my way back in, get my bib, and finish and get that skull for the both of us. So basically, those three names were just twirling in my head for three days. And I'm just like, I can't give up. I have to keep going, no matter how much I want to. 
it's not for me anymore. It's for other people. Mm-hmm. So that that was a bigger thing for me more than anything. Um, you know, when like we talked about before, you know, when you're when you feel like you're accountable for other people now, it's it pushes you more. Yeah. And so it started out like, you know, you were doing this all for yourself initially. That's what got you there. But then mm-hmm. once you were there, having these other people as being kind of your motivators is what helped you get through yeah. all the tasks, all the brutality that they put you through. Yeah, I got uh, very emotional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so looking at some of the tasks that they make you do, what were one of the what was one of the more interesting and or stupid things that they made you do during this death race? <laughs> At the beginning of the death race. <laughs> um, so we showed up. So um, we had our gear list. A bucket wasn't on the gear list. Oh, of course but... it wasn't. <laughs> but because everybody was saying, hey, you're going to want a bucket. So we're like, okay, let's have a bucket. Since it wasn't on the gear list, it wasn't specified what size or anything. So I'm like, all right, I could choose whatever size. I'm a small person. The bag I'm carrying is already way too big for me, stuffed with like all the things that I look like a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, I'm not going to bring a standard five gallon bucket. I'm going to bring a two and a half bucket. Um, and this was something that me and Athena had talked over beforehand. So okay. both her and I, we got a two, uh, two and a half, um, liter bucket, a gallon bucket. And, um, my partner, Francis, he had a mini one <laughs> that was like one gallon or something. I don't know. Okay. Okay. It was like a place and thing. So we got there and everybody cryptairs are looking at our buckets they're like what what the heck is this and we're like what it's our buckets they're like what kind of bucket is this we're like it didn't say there wasn't on the gear <laughs> they're like go make sandcastles right now <laughs> so we had to go over to where there was water bring it over with sand and make sandcastles in front of everybody <laughs> while my partner he was making a humongous sandcastle with like a moat and everything (laughs) over by the river and they're just like okay that's fine that's good enough (laughs) but right there we're just like targeted for our buckets (laughs) and how many how many of you were there that actually had buckets that they made do this uh it was me athena and uh frank so it was just the three of us so just three of you got like separated (laughs) and had a from the get-go had a completely different race (laughs) so me and athena were just like you know what they didn't say that we needed to make a sandcastle each we're just like we're thinking outside the box so Mm -hmm. i had my bucket she had hers um i filled mine with water she filled hers with sand so we brought it back and we used both of them to make castle and that's that's we the way you got to do team. it that's yeah. the way to do it you have to you have to work together on these things especially uh when they're obscure like that well done <laughs> i must say well done because <laughs> right off the bat you kind of you figured them out um and that's that's one of the diff- more difficult things to do uh which brings me to my next question what was one of the most difficult tasks uh that you had to had to do there was quite a few Okay, Let's so the first one, <laughs> besides besides having to buy my way back in with the log, mm-hmm. 
from basically the sun was up and then till the next morning, basically, oh my gosh, I was carrying that thing. Um, the other task was um, we went into the death race with one partner. Mm-hmm. They ended up switching us up with another partner. Okay. Luckily, I got one of my friends, Andrew Blair. So we were familiar with each other and stuff. But he is very tall, and I am but 4'11". <laughs> <laughs> we were zip-tied together by the wrists. Oh, boy. So so where was your arm in relation? Was it, like, half yeah, raised? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, like, by my shoulder. Oh, boy. And That's he would, like, lean over a little bit sometimes. <laughs> but um, it wasn't too bad. Um, but we we got new partners. We were zip tied together. I'm not sure how long we were, but it was many hours. And we basically had to make our way over uh, to Miguel's cabin, which we're also crossing a lot. Of, like, it's very scrambly around there. Yeah, going off um, the and stuff. Yeah, and there's that waterfall that's right next to it and stuff. So we had to figure out how to cross to crawl along those rocks together, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with our hands. Oh boy, yeah. So um, behind the cabin, uh, it was a very deep hill. I can't really mm-hmm. recall the distance, but I'm pretty sure it was about a mile or so. Um, so every so often, you would hit a tree that had a puzzle on it or a trivia question. So you'd had to go with your partner together, zip tied, up to each question, just one, just the one question, go back down to the cabin, give your answer, go back up to the next one, go back down, give your answer, go back up to the next one, and there was about 12 of them. (laughs) So it was a long distance, it took a very long time. You know, we, and I'm like totally forgetting <laughs> a lot of things. It wasn't just walking up and down. We had to drag ourselves up okay. and then crab walk down, drag ourselves up, <laughs> crab walk down. And it got to uh, it got to a lot of points where we had to waste time just to walk around and stretch out our arms and stuff. And um go back, give our answers, crawl back up, <laughs> crawl back <laughs> down. And mind you, we're, you're zip-tied. So when you're crawling with someone, it's hard enough walking with somebody when you're zip-tied together, but you're right. crawling up and down. So Which makes it we, even more awkward. Yeah, we were raking a lot of leaves. There was a lot of leaves there. <laughs> and we're just like laying there dying like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty tough. There's a lot of other things like, you know, I even going up blood route and then coming down like that was a big time hack. Yeah, blood route is pretty challenging just in itself. (laughs) (laughs) So when you have to like really like time yourself to go up there, it was individual time hack. And this was in the middle of the day. So the sun is really like right above and you're baking underneath it. So that was a pretty big challenge, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're like, really, you see your partner and it's like, oh my gosh, that's not my partner anymore. We're, uh, we're basically competing against each other right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's crazy when they put you in those situations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no matter what, we kept the deal. Like me and Frank were just like, you know what, no matter what happens, we're still partners. Even if they say it's individual, I will still help you out. And we did like, 
there was even a part where he caught me doing, uh, we were supposed to do 250 burpees and I had to do three sets. Okay. Um, I was on my third set and I fell asleep. <laughs> <sighs> I'm doing burpees and I'm, I'm, I fell asleep. And then all of a sudden I see white underneath my eyelids and it's his headlamp. And he's like, Oh my gosh, your lips are dry. And I was like, Oh, Hey, how are you? And he gave me a cookie. <laughs> he gave me a cookie he was saving. He's like, no, this is for you. So it was probably the best tasting chocolate chip cookie I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so at that point, did you, you were probably becoming uh, dehydrated and malnourished, probably didn't have enough food. Yes. And that's what caused you to more or less faint. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, uh, well, it was like more of like sleep deprivation. But like, okay. I was like really just, <laughs> I was like, I have to do these burpees, but I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that kind of leads me to the next question, which is, you know, what did you eat to sustain yourself and what were you, uh, you know, using to fuel? So we had gotten a couple of MREs uh, that were easy to pack in our rucks um, mm-hmm. with tons of calories in it. Um, I only had two. Okay. Um, one of them was like a chipotle rice combination thing okay which i'm probably not going to use again because i ended up getting heartburn from that Oof, that sounds <laughs> which rough. Is weird i don't normally get heartburn but i got it from that um and then the other one was like pretty good but the thing is we had so much gear it was very hard to fit anything else mm-hmm. into your packs so i was like hmm I'm used to doing events without having a lot of food. So I kind of sacrificed my food in order to have more space for my gear list. Okay. Um, But I did have the two MREs and I usually like taking, um, you know, the Justin's almond butter. Yeah, those things are great. I love those. So I have like three flavors with me. Um, And what else did I have? I think that's it. What was your favorite thing that you had? Uh, it was the cookie that was given to me. <laughs> that cookie? That was pretty yeah. good? That's oh awesome. Oh, my gosh. I like I stopped doing my burpees, and I was just like, you know what? This is worth it right now. <laughs> so I was going to ask how you stayed awake, but clearly you didn't. So uh, <laughs> I guess instead of that, I'm going to ask you the hallucination question. Like, so did you hallucinate it all out there? Did you see anything? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is like everybody's favorite story. Um so there are four things I clearly remember hallucinating. Okay. The first thing was, um, so I'm not sure why I ended up thinking this, but Athena is very big on Tim Burton, and she's a very big fan of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, okay. So I don't know if I was thinking about her. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I think, morning, the third morning, and it was very dark. Mm-hmm. very foggy like you can barely see what was in front of you um i think so before had, sunrise it was before sunrise yeah i okay. think it was between two and six o'clock i can't remember mm-hmm. but i can't remember really what came first but we had already been up to Shrek's Mountain and down to the farm like a million times, mm-hmm. carrying many, many different things, switching teams and partners and stuff. By the end of it all, by this point, I was stuck um, just with one person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just the two of us and it was pitch black. All you can see were just our little headlamps, which my headlamp is really bright and you can't see anything. Okay. Except what was right in front of you and all we were watching, all we were seeing were rocks. Just rocks, 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 rocks everywhere. And at one point I ended up looking down and I saw a jack skeleton pin. A pin. <laughs> like okay. how do you see a pin out of nowhere? And I'm like, for some reason I'm thinking like, oh, Athena dropped her pin. Let me go pick it up and give it to her when I see her next. Like, why would she have a pin with her at death race? I don't know. (laughs) But I went to go pick it up, and I noticed, and I put it to my face, and I'm like, oh, it's a rock. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I didn't think anything of it. So we're still trudging along up the mountain, and the second thing I remember seeing was, um, do you remember as a kid when you had a Super Bowl? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And they're clear and they have glitter inside it. Yep, yep. I saw one of those and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen these in years. Who left this here? Went to go pick it up. It's a rock. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, all right, this is weird. Like, I'm just like seeing things. I'm still not realizing that I'm hallucinating. I'm just thinking that these rocks just look like things. Okay. When I actually started realizing that I was hallucinating was um, we got to these certain stone steps towards the top and I saw a black and white picture, a very old photo looking thing of like a group of people. It looked very old and it was framed and... um, I was like, oh, my gosh, somebody lost this. You know, this is a very old, nice picture. You know, they must this must be very sentimental. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And so I went to go pick it up and I couldn't pick it up. And I, I keep trying. And I'm like, I asked my um, my partner at the time. I was like, hey, you know, help me pick this up and put it in my bag. And he's like, pick what up? And I'm like this. And he's like, he's not understanding what I'm saying at this point either. So he was in a very bad spot, too. Okay. And I'm like this picture right here. And he's like, oh, that picture. Okay. So he actually does come to help me. (laughs) And then when we're pulling and then we finally pick it up, it's actually a huge ass rock (laughs) that was stuck in the ground. (laughs) And we're both looking at each other like. Oh, no, this is bad. We're seeing shit. We're seeing a lot of things. Oh, my gosh. That's when I realized, like, I'm really hallucinating. This is this is bad. Uh, my favorite hallucination, uh, which I didn't really know was one um, until after the race. We're coming down, and in the exact spot, very exact spot, every single time I came down, I saw a cabin with lights on and I could have sworn I saw people walking around that cabin and I thought that you know they were directors you know keeping Mm -hmm. an eye on us you know so it was every single time we came back it was in the same exact location same and so I'm like oh that's weird you know okay I know where I am after the race uh me and Athena are talking to each other and one of us starts talking about the cabin. I was like, yeah, I saw the cabin, too. And she's like, you saw the cabin, too? And I'm like, yeah, that cabin, right? Blah, blah. She's like, Ashley, there's no cabin. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I hallucinated that, that, that there was no cabin. And I'm like, you're lying. Cause I saw the cabin and she's like, no, this is creepy. We asked around, we looked at the map and everything. No cabin exists. There's no such cabin. We imagined we hallucinated the same cabin in the same location. And then when we did some research, uh, if you believe in like all that spiritual stuff, it actually has to do with when you're very connected with somebody and you're in the same area in a grounded spiritual place, you send like connective, um, like I think it was like connected signals. I can't really recall what it said, but it, it's something like that. It was kind of like a bonding thing for us okay, being okay. on opposite sides of the mountain. Yeah. And for us, it was like a really big deal because, you know, we've been such close friends for um, just about three years now. And just us being in death race together and hallucinating the same exact thing in the same exact spot, it it was mind blowing. It's pretty trippy. And, you know, yeah. it's really interesting because there's a few different spots on that, those mountains over there. And uh, several death racers have now told me that they've seen similar cabins and um it's just, it's very interesting. I don't know anything about, you know, these types of uh, phenomena. But yeah. uh, a lot of us seem to see very similar cabins out there as one of the main primary hallucinations. Um, oh, I want to hear about them now. <laughs> so now I'm actually really curious because this is like, you've got to be at least the fifth or sixth person who's told me about seeing cabins out there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so... You know, maybe there are some cabins that just appear at night when we're uh, 60 hours <laughs> into an event, and maybe there's not. But uh, they set we, it we, up and take it down. Yeah, right? Like I don't, I don't know what's going on, but uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, so my next question is, how do you handle the controlled chaos of the death race? For some reason, uh, Vermont has always um, been a very grounding place for me. Mm -hmm. Like I can, if death race was in another location, I don't think I would have been as grounded as I was. Um, I, every event I do there, I feel so calm, so grounded and like so ready, even though sometimes like a lot of things get really difficult. It, it doesn't seem as bad for yeah. some reason over there. And um, so that was one thing. And then another thing was just like, I always know, one, it could either be worse. And two, it's going to be over soon. Even if it does start getting to my mind, even if I start doubting myself. And I'm like, no, you're this far in. The only way out is to finish. So that's my, my mindset everything. So I'm just like, stop counting, stop counting. Just do what you have to do now. And then the next task, and then the next task, and then before you know it, it's over. Yeah. The Legend of the Death Race podcast is brought to you by Trail Toes, the best anti-blister, anti-chafing cream there is. Trail Toes prevented me from having any blisters after 66 hours at the 2014 Death Race, and continues to prevent blisters on all my mountain adventures. Get your jar of Trail Toes today. Use the code THELEGEND on trailtoes.com for 10% off your purchase. And don't forget to visit the Legend of the Death Race shop where you can grab a Memento Mori t-shirt or poster as a reminder to live your best life. Just visit legendofthedeathrace.com shop. 
So uh, I guess the next question is, is what would be the most essential piece of gear that you had for the death race? My life straw. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. Often did you, how often did you use that? A lot. So yeah. I actually got the life straw that came with the water bottle. Mm-hmm. And I hooked it on the back of my rock. And um, I also had a water bladder. Um, mm-hmm. I ran out of water. And at this point, I ran out of water when I couldn't uh, start my fire. Mm-hmm. So there was no way for me to refill anything from that point. And that's when I had to carry my log to, to get my to buy my, my way back in. Okay. So I was alone. I had no food. I had no water. So I had to really carry that thing. And I was just, I was so thirsty. And then every little spot that I found that had a little uh, waterfall trickling down or that river that's by Miguel's um, cabin, Mm -hmm. I filled up my water bottle and I used the life straw. That's that's a lifesaver right there. Yeah. And it was really good. The water was just, it was so fantastic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Super, super cold, really good, fresh mountain water. It's great. (laughs) Especially after you purify it. It's great. Oh, my gosh. It was, oh, man. I I would take that thing at any time, anywhere, hiking. (laughs) So so after your defining moment, which was, you know, buying your way back into the race, Mm -hmm. um, the big question is, did you end up finishing? Yes. Very. I got, I got my goal. I am an official, unofficial finisher uh, mm-hmm. because that was actually when uh, Athena had ran for her skull <laughs> while they were shooting bullets. Right, right. <laughs> so um, Joe had announced her the official um, one and only finisher. But after that, he's like, so what do I do with the rest of these seven skulls? Mm-hmm. So um, basically what they did, they threw them in the pond and they said, who really wants it? Go get it. So a lot of us ended up running and we dove for those skulls in, in a random pond be, behind all these bushes. And I ended up getting the furthest one <laughs> that oh. was thrown because everybody would get the ones that's closest to them, you know, mm-hmm. that's closest to, you know, but I had to swim my way all the way down. And the funny part was like, I, I, the person that was in front of me, I can't remember who it was, but it was, my skull was right next to him. He got his and I was like, Hey, you know, can you just throw that over here? And he's like, no, work for it. And I was like, hell yeah, I like that answer. <laughs> so I kept swimming. <laughs> and then I got my skull. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank so, you. So where did the courage come from to do this event? Um, I think it was everybody around me. I think it was all the support from my friends. Um, you know, a lot of them are Spartans. Um, a lot of them know that it's a dream to work your way up the Spartan ladder and to do death race who where it hasn't been around for a few years and all of a sudden it comes back and it came back for another year, you know, and everybody knew that I had, I had told them all that, you know, how I mm-hmm. felt about myself in 2018 and why I didn't do it. So they were very supportive when I actually signed up and they were just like, you can do this. 
and my partner too, my boyfriends, um, all of them were just like, they were very supportive and they helped me train, um, helped me keep my mind straight. So I think that's what it is. It's just like, you know, everybody all around you. And then you end up telling yourself the same thing. Like I can do this. They say that you're the sum of, you know, your five closest people, right? And yeah. uh, so if you surround yourself with people that are motivating and encouraging, you're going to you're going to amount to something. You're going to be able to do something crazy like accomplish a death race. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very good um, place to get your courage from. So I guess um, I, maybe you just answered my next question. But what wisdom did you gain from the death race? Um, no matter what there was over a hundred people in the death race. And even though a lot of, you would think a lot of people are only in it for themselves, but they're not. Mm -hmm. um, this one was called the journey. And it was all about like reflecting back to where you started, why you're there, why you keep going. Um, and just remembering everything that's happened from the start point up until where you are now. And not forgetting the people around you. Mm -hmm. So all those people that were there, we're all remembering our journey. But at the same time, we all started with partners. So it was also a thing about teamwork. It's not just about you. It's about the people around you. It's, you know, helping each other achieve your goals, whether you're mm -hmm. going to meet them or not. So that was the biggest lesson throughout it all. And then. Also, like Don was basically saying, like, you know, be your own hero. You know, you can look up to other people and stuff, but it's you. You're the one who makes it happen. Believe in yourself, you know, push through. So it, it was very emotional <laughs> at one point, um, which actually that's another um, ridiculous thing they had us do. Um, on the third day, they put us in a cabin um, with our shoes off. We took off our shoes. We got very comfy and cozy. It was nice and warm in that cabin. <clears throat> they blindfolded us and mm -hmm. they also put uh, headphones around our ears and you couldn't really hear much. But Don was giving a nice sentimental speech <laughs> and we had to keep standing. And while they messed with us, spraying us with water and like whispering things in our ears and putting food up to our noses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to distract us and stuff but the point was to was to listen and to focus and um he gave this very sentimental speech and then we were quizzed on it afterwards with a paper test <laughs> oh very nice <laughs> so that was so that's one of the the funniest things but also like it it was a big lesson and i love that moment so much it's yeah. definitely something that i took from it those are some great lessons, and especially like given everything going around the world right now. I mean, to, yes. to, to be your own hero, to work together as a team, I think is one of the most important things that we all are learning. We all are in this together. We all have to work, you know, through everything that the world's going through together mm -hmm. and um, to listen and focus. Like those are those are some wonderful lessons to learn. And uh, I'm so happy you got to have that experience. Um, <laughs> so I guess the next question is, would you do the race again? Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> Are you signed up for the 2020 if it happens? Um, I'd have to see how the stars align. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually saving up to move out of my house. 
Oh, very um, cool. I'm moving with my boyfriend. I've been working a lot. I work in a pharmacy, so it's just, it's been chaos and stuff. So mm-hmm. again, training, like I want to, it's not really there, but um, we'll see. We'll see. And especially because I'm pretty sure they're, they're most likely going to change the date with everything going on now. Right, right. Well, so, if not now, I'm sure you'll be back again soon. So yes. um, <laughs> I guess the the next question is, what is next for you? If there's anything, uh, I know a lot of events are canceled right now, but is there anything that you're training for or, or you're planning to, to, to do? Um, I have been doing a lot of Go Rock events. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have quite a few um, coming up. There was one that it just got redated. Um, I was supposed to be there in May in California. Mm-hmm. I've never been to California. And it's Wonderful been a dream state. of mine. Yeah, it's been a dream of mine since I was six. So I got really excited to go. And it's a heavy. It's 24 hours. And they're calling it the Marine Heavy. So it's supposed to be harder than all the other heavies and um they're really going to beat you down like they do in the marines i guess right, right. <laughs> i'm assuming there's still a lot of unknown in there but um it was something i was really excited about but they redated it for june um but i would have to travel because they live in jersey um and i'm not sure if we're going to be able to travel by then but we'll see um and then i'm thinking like i keeping my eyes open for ultras coming mm-hmm. up uh killington ultra is definitely something i want to do yep yep uh, they're bringing the world finish. championship now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh it's gonna be awesome but we'll see um i'd have to just see it like exactly how the stars align you know just take it month by month and see yeah absolutely leads me absolutely um well you know thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your story it's been wonderful right now is a great chance for if you'd like to share where people can maybe follow any of your adventures and journeys and stuff you can share those channels now um i just have facebook um ashley alarcon and then my instagram is ashgriala a-s-h-g-r-i-a-l-a um I basically accept just about anybody who does these events. I'm pretty sure I, I've met a lot of faces that um, I come across. <laughs> but I post up like a lot of my training and stuff, a lot of things I go through. But not, oh. nothing too crazy. I'm like, <laughs> awesome. But I do share. Awesome. Well, th- again, thank you so much. There you go. That's where you can find Ashley. Thank you for being on our show. And stay tuned for more legends from past Death Racers. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This really helps the podcast move up the rankings so we can reach even more humans. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you find you really enjoy what we're doing, consider becoming a sustaining member by clicking the link in the show notes. Just a quick reminder, my legend, The Legend of the Death Race book, is now available. Visit legendofthedeathrace.com book to order your copy today. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search the handle at ThatEnduranceGuy or visit ThatEnduranceGuy.com. We'll see you next time on the Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend.